Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, Wednesday, November 1st is our next Smart Politics Happy Hour. It's time for a pre-election discussion with me and other members of the WDE team, this time at the Anchor Bar on Fort Street in downtown Detroit, after work from 6 to 8 p.m. Again, on Wednesday, November 1st. We always love when you steer the conversation around here, and you're bound to have a great time with us talking about the mayoral election, the clerk election, the city council elections here in the city of Detroit. So make sure you come out for that. Also, remember that if you are heading into work or otherwise away from your radio, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You can download and subscribe to Detroit Today. And we will we will be able to you'll be able to listen to us wherever and whenever you get ready. Up first, last week, more than 300,000 people in Oakland County had to boil their water because of a water main break. It was days before residents had safe drinking water running through their homes again. As of this morning, there are still some people under a boil water advisory. What does this incident say about our ability to maintain underground infrastructure here in Michigan? Why do we seem to be seeing one catastrophic failure after another with our water systems, and what do they tell us about the amount of money we invest in these systems? I'm somebody who walks around a lot of the time speaking and writing about infrastructure, and I have to say, when I do it, a lot of times the reaction from people is sort of a glassed-over look in their eyes. They don't really want to engage on the issue. It seems boring. It seems like I just want to maybe raise their taxes, take more money out of their wallets. But then when something happens, everybody's attention comes more into focus. Everyone now wants to talk about what that looks like. How do we move from that sort of hopscotching from incident to incident, from emergency to emergency, to a state where we are talking consistently about how we invest in our infrastructure, how we manage it, and how we prepare for the future. That's where we start the show today, and our guests to help frame that conversation are Candace Miller, who is the Macomb County Public Works Commissioner, as well as Sue McCormick, who is the CEO of the Great Lakes Water Authority. Candace and Sue, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Yes. Both and Sue. Good morning. Yes, good to hear both of your voices. All right, Sue, I'm going to start with you. Uh, this water main break, uh, water mains uh, are not infallible, of course. Uh, this happens in, in systems, but there, it seems that when this happens in our system here in southeast Michigan, uh, oftentimes it is because we haven't kept up with maintenance, uh, preventable ma- preventative maintenance uh, and, and investment in the infrastructure. Talk about what happened last week and how it relates to that bigger problem. So what happened last week is we had a uh, certainly a main break on a very large transmission main. This is a 48-inch uh, pipe, so it's a, it's a pretty big pipe. This pipe, first time we had a failure uh, on this particular pipe, it was installed in 1970, so it's about 47 years old. That's about half its normal expected service life. Uh, so uh, certainly it wasn't anticipated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when we talk about maintenance on these pipes, uh, it's uh, probably helpful for the 
larger uh, region to understand that you know we have smaller diameter pipes in local communities and then these very large pipes that take water from our water plants and move it to the doorsteps of those communities. And these very large pipes they really don't have the same ability that you do in smaller systems uh, to do, if you see rusty water, to do normal sorts of uh, restoration activities. Maintenance is an odd thing to think about mm-hmm. when you think about water pipes because it's a system. There's pipes and there's valves and there's seals between the sections of pipes. Systems usually spend most of their time making sure that the valves operate because that really minimizes, when there is an interruption, that minimizes the number of people that can be impacted by a break. But from a pipe maintenance activity, unless there's a water quality uh, issue, breaks are really the first sign of the uh, of an uh, aging issue with a pipe. Yeah. And so this is our first sign that there's an aging issue with this particular pipe. And now, there's newer technology yeah, ahead, that we're so. out there looking at mm-hmm. uh, that will hopefully give us a more proactive ability to take a look at where pipes may be uh, beginning to take a look at uh, pipes weakening. Uh, but in these very large pipes, you getting inside the pipe uh, to do that type of analysis is a relatively new technology. And frankly, these pipes weren't built with that technology anticipated. So it's going to be a bit of work. We're actually out right now. Uh, we have requested through our purchase order process a plan for a transmission main assessment project. So this will be a big effort for us. Yeah. So, Sue, you and I have had this conversation before about how we take care of infrastructure with regard to the water system here in southeast Michigan. Can you say uh, that, uh, or, or would you say, I guess, that if we had been doing better with preventative maintenance, with ongoing maintenance and investment in the system, that something like this would have been less likely to happen? I know, as you said, you can't really predict these things, uh, but but is there is there a tie-in or a direct tie-in to the way in which we have managed the system historically? Uh, frankly, on the big system, I think the biggest uh, issue that we have is, is on the valves. Uh-huh. We have, uh, you know, typically this system has not done valve exercising on the very large valves, and so that really minimizes your ability to isolate a smaller area that's impacted. Uh, I will say that mm, the mains themselves are coming of age. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of them are midlife, and so we have to be able to use more current technology to be able to assess their condition. I don't think it's a matter, particularly on the large system, of investment in Maine at this point because, you know, I don't think the public would support, nor would we, just begin replacing pipes that don't have a history of breakage. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest issues in this particular area of the system, along 14 Mile Road, and we have a similar sort of issue for many of our downriver communities uh, in Wayne County, is that these two areas of the system don't have the same level of redundancy, looping, multiple lines that serve into them. And so I think that was really what we see as the issue here for these customers is that in the event of an interruption in service, there weren't many alternatives to get water and pressure back to them quickly. Uh, That's an issue that we had recognized when we launched the authority. We did a reliability study. We've identified alternatives, and we put an alternative in our capital improvement plan. Unfortunately, a few years too late to have avoided this uh, in terms of the impact. The main certainly probably 
still would have broken, but the impact would have been significantly reduced. Right, right. Uh, Candace Miller, Macomb County Public Works Commissioner, you and I have also had this conversation about mm-hmm. how we take care of uh, infrastructure here in southeast Michigan. Uh, I can remember when you told me that uh, you were going to leave Congress and that what you were going to go do was run for Macomb County Public Works Commissioner because you thought we could do better. And uh, of course, in Macomb County uh, there, we have we saw the, the sinkhole that opened up, uh, uh, I guess, a year ago, Christmas, um, uh, also reminding us of, of this issue. But, but you're somebody who also th- believes we don't, we don't do this as well as we could. And it's because we look at it uh, an incremental or small focus uh, manner as opposed to the big picture. Well, that's true. And, you know, we had this uh, huge interceptor collapse along a 15-mile road, as you mentioned. This was an 11-foot diameter pipe. Just as Sue has said, you have uh, smaller water mains in the municipalities and then these big uh, transmission lines for the water. For the sewer, we have these huge interceptors that uh, all the municipal uh, sewage systems feed into. And this particular one is one of our drainage districts, 11 communities in Macomb County, which we call the MID, the Macomb Interceptor Drainage District. However, you know, as we actually got, we had about 300 foot of pipe that we had to replace. As we were down there replacing that, we were inspecting immediately adjacent. We found there was another 3,700 foot of pipe uh, that had to be relined immediately because it was in imminent danger of another sinkhole and collapse. Uh, so we ended up with 4,000 foot of pipe that we replaced or lined. And then uh, since that time, just to give you an example of why preventative maintenance and good inspection in sewage uh, and sewer uh, underground is easier to inspect than water because you can bypass and hold flow back and do different things that you can't really do with water lines, big transmission water lines. But uh, we've been inspecting uh, this whole drainage district, uh, which is about 17 miles of underground in this particular particular case, no surprise perhaps, we found a number of different issues. So we have to inspect, we have to be proactive, and we have to make a, a plan, a capital improvements plan on a uh, sort of a, a, a budget, of course, that everyone can afford, uh, the ratepayers can actually afford, but we have to maintain these, uh, these assets. And one thing I will say, you know, we talk about infrastructure all the time. Most of the time, people think we're talking about roads and bridges, and they think that because that's what we are talking about. You see a pothole, you run into it, you know where it is, you, you know you have to fix it. But underground, out of sight, out of mind, and we just cannot afford to take that posture anymore. Yeah. Uh, is it is it a question of money, or is it a question of money management? I think that's one of the things that that people who live in Southeast Michigan often think about is, well, I, I'm paying a lot for my water bill. I'm paying a lot from a lot for my sewage bill. How come the people who get that money don't do better and make sure that these things don't happen? Is that is that a, a legitimate question for us to be asking, Sue? I think it is, uh, but it is a combination and a balance of things. Uh, you know when. Um, Great Lakes Water Authority launched, one of the things that we were able to do pretty quickly was take advantage of the improved bond rating and get significant reductions in what we were paying in debt and debt interest. That's money that can then be reinvested in the system. We've also done quite a bit in terms of reducing operating expenses uh, through containing both our personnel, energy management, <clears throat> excuse me, and a number of things of that nature. And so uh, I think, you know, we do owe the public uh, efficient operation. Yeah. 
efficient investment. Uh, uh, those kinds of things we have to do so that the public can be confident that we're utilizing their dollars to the best extent possible. Well, you know, one of the things that I hear people say is that the Great Lakes Water Authority was supposed to be more efficient and better to manage this system than the old DWSD system. And lots of people had complaints about the way that that happened. Uh, is is GLWA a better a better mechanism for us to manage all this stuff and and make sure that we're spending the money in the right places? I think one thing that the authority does, uh, and it certainly has done it for both DWSD and for the regional system, is it allows that focus. So we are focused on these very large systems that can have an impact on so many communities, and that's our singular focus. DWSD can now focus on their local system, and of course they've got some new tools and, and, and um, economics that can assist them with that. But from a regional perspective, we can focus on these regional assets. An example of that, Candace mentioned how important it is to inspect these very large assets uh, that can impact very large portions of the population. And we started immediately on a sewer inspection program, and we have inspected almost 700,000 feet through September of this year of these very large uh, sewers that support the region, and we think that by March we will be complete and we will have it inspected the entire system so that we know exactly what's going on in the system. Yeah. We found a very few things that we had to address uh, sort of immediately, but it's going to help us know very specifically what we need to do in terms of planning for our capital improvement plan, and this inspection program will be something then that we will do periodically. Uh, depending upon what we saw in each reach of the sewer to make sure that we are ahead of the curve and that we can avoid these types of uh, uh, disasters uh, that impact people every day. Uh, Candace Miller, as long as I've known you, I think one of the best ways to describe you is as a fiscal conservative. I think uh, that would, I think you you would be very proud to call yourself that. Uh, but but it does seem sometimes like uh, we bump up against the idea of uh, fiscal efficiency or conservatism and and the things that we need with regard to this issue. Can you talk about that tension uh, between sure. between managing the money well and making sure we have enough money to manage uh, the system? Well, I appreciate you calling me a fiscal conservative. In I knew you mind, would. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. <clears throat> In my mind, sometimes that means you have to spend a dime to save a buck. And uh, so you have to do preventative maintenance. One of the things when you have, you know, in this particular job I have now with jurisdiction over all these miles and miles of uh, interceptors uh, is to make sure that you understand what your assets are, what you actually own, and what condition the assets are in. So one of the things that many, many people are involved in now, and we are in a very big way here in Macomb, is called asset management and how we can use technology to assist us in this and and be fiscally conservative, but also proactive where we need to be. So we're putting in, we have a very uh, high-tech software program, and we are putting in all this data of all these inspections that we are doing, not only on the storm sewers, but we have obviously, or I mean the uh, sanitary sewers, but we have a lot of storm sewers also. And we're putting all of this information into this asset management uh, program. And, you know, for instance, uh, whether it's one of our retention basins or, or, uh, you know, whatever it is, these uh, software programs, Stephen, actually have the ability to sort of spit out a work order. So instead of saying, hey, did Joe remember to go check out the pump? The thing will spit out a work order to you and say, Joe, 
time to go inspect XYZ pump or whatever. So we have to um, be more efficient on managing our assets. But a big uh, part of that is understanding exactly what you have. Then you have to put together a, a maintenance program each and every year so that you are addressing and prioritizing the problems that you found, some that are not so bad you can put off to the following year so that you hopefully don't have to raise the rates on the rate payers. And, and, in, and in swirling all amongst all of these conversations we're having, hopefully the United States Congress, in a bipartisan way, can get their act together and pass a piece of federal legislation on infrastructure. It certainly should be something that they can agree to get on, in a bipartisan way because throughout history, in every country, and particularly in our country, the economics has always followed the, uh, you know, the, uh, all the the grid of of infrastructure. Really, mm-hmm. when you think of of our country, whether that was the wagon trains started going out west, <laughs> then came the railroads, then the interstates, uh, whether it's the shipping, or uh, now the aviation links, it it all swirls around economics, and we have to make the investment as a country. Yeah. Okay, Sue McCormick, uh, CEO of the Great Lakes Water Authority, Candace Miller, Macomb County Public Works Commissioner. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Up next, we're going to continue our conversation about water infrastructure here in southeast Michigan, and we want to hear from you. Have you been affected by the boil water advisory or other water emergencies here in southeast Michigan? Do you live in Flint, where clean water has not flowed through the taps for many years now? What has that experience been like? And would you pay more taxes to better maintain our infrastructure? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about water infrastructure here in southeast Michigan, something we don't like to talk about most of the time, but when emergencies happen, catastrophes happen, people's attention seems to focus a little more on it. We had one of those catastrophes last week in Oakland County when a water main break left thousands, hundreds of thousands of people without uh, clean water uh, running through their taps for several days. What should we be doing to manage this problem differently? Should we be just jumping from emergency to emergency and dealing with it that way? Or ought we be investing differently in the system that brings clean water to our taps uh, and takes dirty water away from it to make sure that these things don't happen? Uh, we talked with Candace Miller of Macomb County, the Public Works Commissioner out there, and uh, Sue McComrick, who is the CEO of the Great Wake. Great Lakes Water Authority in the first segment. They were talking about how they manage this problem. We want to hear from you in this segment. Uh, What do you think about what happened in Oakland County last week? Were you affected by it? What was your experience like? Do you live in Flint, uh, where we must remember that uh, an entire city has been without 
access to clean water through the tap for many years. Uh, What do you think about the other things that have happened here in southeast Michigan with regard to water infrastructure? What What does that tell us about the way we're doing this? And would you pay more in water fees or taxes to better maintain our infrastructure above ground or below ground here in southeast Michigan? The number is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Tell us what you would do to make sure that what happened in Oakland County last week doesn't have the kind of effect that it did on people's access to drinking water. And joining us now to talk more about this issue is Jim Nash. He's the Oakland County Water Resources Commissioner. Jim, welcome to Detroit Today. Morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Also with us is Kurt Heise. He is the Plymouth Township Supervisor, former Republican state lawmaker. Kurt, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning. Yes. We should also say that uh, he played a key role in the development of the State Watershed Alliance Act and was a member of the Blue Ribbon Commission for Lake St. Clair and served as co-chair of the Michigan Groundwater Conservation Advisory Council. Uh, Jim, I want to start with you because what happened last week happened in in your county. First of all, uh, I want to say that I was one of the people who was sad to see Oakland County get rid of uh, the name Drain Commissioner in, yeah. for, in favor of Water Resources Commissioner. I've always thought that's the best name in Michigan politics is Drain Commissioner. But uh, but you still have the same job. It's, oh, absolutely. Change. Well, my office does way more than drains. Right. So uh, we operate right. 23 communities. We do, we do a lot of work around all over the county uh, around stormwater, sewage. Um, that's mostly what we do. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of what happened in this particular area, uh, this is actually my town, Farmington Hills. That's where I'm from. Uh-huh. Um so it, it hit my community uh, very hard. Um, it was, a, as, as Sue McCormick said just previously, that um, the redundancy wasn't there to be able to switch as fast as it can be done in other areas of the, uh, of the area of this region. Um, so there was an, an impact. And um, once we came back up and came back um, into full um, pressure, one of our um, pressure reduction valves blue, which mm-hmm. has in the 50 years we've run for uh, Farmington Hills, that's never happened before. So this has to be related, although we haven't found so far, we have not done the study to make sure exactly what happened. But uh, this had an impact of another day added to uh, just a very small corner of Farmington Hills. Um, but the, the infrastructure that we're talking about for the, for the large uh, diameter pieces is between communities. That's not my jurisdiction. Um, once it hits into the communities, that's where I get where I get hit. Um, Pontiac, we took over Pontiac's operations a few years ago, um, and we discovered that uh, their water resources date back to ni- 1908. Um, you'll find huh. their their pipes go all the way back to 1908. So we're in the process right now of going through the next 20 years of replacing all their pipes because this is going to be needed. We had the last cold winters we had a few years ago. We had over 100 main breaks uh, each year of those. Um, so this is, has a huge impact. And when breaks, it's way more expensive than fixing it on a, on a schedule. Right. So this is what we're planning. Um, the, 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 the big issue for funding is these the tends to be the older communities tend to be the lower income communities. So mm-hmm. they have ability to pay problems. Um, so we're looking for the state. If the state is really wants to invest this money that they've said they want to do, they have a 21st century um, uh, plan now for water infrastructure, and they really we need to follow through on it. We need to do this in a structured way that's going to serve all of Oakland, of of Michigan. So, 
I, my office is ready to do that. We're working regionally. I think uh, the Great Lakes Water Authority is doing a great job regionally. That's one of the big benefits, I think, of becoming this, what we are, is that uh, they are actually, we're working with the communities better than we have in a significant amount of time. So yeah. there's much more buy-in. When you say the state, do you mean the state ought to, ought to lend its own uh, financial capabilities to trying to help solve this problem for, for local communities in, in Southeast Michigan? Absolutely. This is the kind of thing we need to be doing as a state. And to me, the water infrastructure, again, I don't do as much with that. I do more with sewage and stormwater. The right. sewage and stormwater systems are the older. Now, they're... They're easier to maintain because we, we can get into them faster and quicker. Um, so those are the things we've been doing the past few years is doing much better uh, asset management work where we're planning this out. We're finding the age and the structural def- deficiencies. We start with the worst and we go towards the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, the, this is the thing that all across the state we need to be doing. Um, Oakland County is kind of ahead of the curve in some ways. Um, and we're working to make sure that everybody is brought along. There's some state efforts to pilot programs to do asset management on a more regional and statewide basis. So yeah. we're, we're helping with that. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, uh, I, I, I wouldn't imagine you would argue with the idea that uh, this is an issue that is about money. Uh, but, but you have been critical of the Great Lakes Water Authority since it was set up. And you don't think it's, it's the right way to manage, I guess, the money or... Uh, the, the the most efficient way, I guess, to, to, to manage this system? Well, I, I think that the, uh, the way it was originally set up was uh, unconstitutional, frankly, uh, because you can't have an authority in Michigan without an act of the legislature. It has to be created by state law. Mm-hmm. The Great Lakes Water Authority, despite its name, really was created by the federal courts. It was created by Judge Rosen and Judge Cox, at the request of Bob Ficano, Mm -hmm. uh, and this all stemmed from the Detroit bankruptcy. And there were many of us who, in the legislature at the time, who wanted to see the legislature tackle this issue, uh, but we were repeatedly told by, uh, by the federal court that this was something that was that was going to be handled as part of bankruptcy. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it, it's operational. It's been in effect now for several years. Um, you know, I wish them all the best. But uh, you know, from a from a procedural standpoint, it was um, it was very much a uh, a judicial fiat, which at the time was also opposed by Brooks Patterson and uh, Mark Hackle as well. Um, And I I still think if you were to ask them today if it it was operating the way they would like, you know, they might say, hey, it's, uh, it may be better than the alternative that we had, but it's probably not as good as, as what we should have had. But, uh, and you know what, 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 what should I'm, they I'm, have had? I mean, what, uh, huh? what, what, would have made it, what would have made it better for those two executives and, and the people that, that they serve? I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's not as if uh, GLWA has more money than DWSD did. It, it, my, my understanding is that that's a fight about control. Uh, and and who gets to make the decisions about what we do? Well, it was always a, something that needed to be transparent, and the, the creation of any new authority to replace the Detroit Water and Sewer Department should have been done in an open and transparent fashion in, in Lansing uh, with all the parties at the table. Uh, I think you would have ended up with a different type of governance structure that uh, I think would have been more democratic, more transparent. Uh, but again... I, I think it's you know the genie's out of the bottle now. The GLWA is is operational, and we uh, we have to work within that that framework. Unless somebody, 
in the legislature wants to do things differently or people start filing lawsuits in federal court, which probably aren't going to go anywhere. Um, so it is what it is. GLWA is functioning. And, and I agree with Jim Nash. Uh, we've got to address the long-term infrastructure problems, which have been with us for generations. And that either happens through higher water rates, a dedicated uh, millage of some sort. Uh, in my experience in Wayne County many years ago, we actually had a court-ordered judgment levy that was imposed on, on us by Judge Fikens. Um, or we look at the state for relief. And the state really is not, has, does not have the kind of money uh, that is necessary to make these improvements. My recommendation would be to float a bond. Uh, it would be a voter-approved bond, similar to what we did. I think the last one was in 2002. And uh, typically when, when water, sewer, infrastructure bonds like that are proposed at the state level, they usually pass. And I think in, in this day and age, with, in light of Flint and Macomb County sinkholes and, and uh, busted pipes in Oakland County, uh, I think the voters would, would embrace it. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Jim Nash, Oakland County Water Resources Commissioner, and Kurt Heise, Plymouth Township Supervisor, former Republican state lawmaker, uh, member of uh, the Blue Ribbon Commission for Lake St. Clair, co-chair of the Michigan Groundwater Conservation Advisory Council. We're talking about infrastructure here in southeast Michigan, water infrastructure. Uh, a week after a water main break left a lot of folks in Oakland County, hundreds of thousands of them, without access to clean water through the tap for several days. What do you think about the way we manage water infrastructure here in southeast Michigan. Are we paying enough money to make sure that when things like this happen, it doesn't affect so many people, or maybe these things might not happen at all? Or do you think uh, that we're paying plenty of money and it's just not being managed well by the authorities that, that have that money? Uh, also talk about whether you were affected by last week's uh, water catastrophe in Oakland County. You also call if you live in Flint and are dealing with the water crisis there. Call if you live in Detroit and are part of the water shutoffs that have been going on for several years here. Uh, more and more people, I think, really tuning in to the questions that surround access to clean drinking water here in southeast Michigan. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So it's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Let's go to Alan in West Bloomfield. Alan, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm West Bloomfield, and uh, I live actually about a mile and a quarter from where the pipe broke. Uh, we went into a boil water, of course, uh, and we had a huge drop in pressure, but they were able to get pressure back for us fairly quickly. So that much uh, worked out reasonably well for us, except, of course, uh, the boil water uh, went on and on and on. Um, but the one thing I've heard in all the conversations and all the discussions so far has been, geez, we just don't have enough money. And since they now have the Great Lakes Water Authority, no matter how you like it or don't like it, because it's now there, it seems to me that it would be smart to get the state to fund up, or at least start a fund up, for some sort of a sinking fund uh, that is available to cover these types of emergencies wherever they occur within the district. Um, hmm. There's a that type of a concept I think would would give us dollars that we don't have to then go to the ratepayers every time there's a problem because what happens then is people that are not in a position to pay or don't pay. Uh, not able to pay as well as they would like because they're in an older community, uh, that money would then be available to take care of an immediate problem 
like this break. Um, and I, and while the timing, I think, w- went fairly well given the size of the break that was involved, uh, having a sinking fund or having some sort of a uh, dollar, uh, I hate to call it rainy day, but a, yeah. but a fund that's there that is available. Now, that would require some pretty stiff financial controls. Sure. But even with that, okay, it would at least give us enough money to take care of a problem when it occurs without having to be going back and saying, no, we got to raise rates again, because that's just, that becomes a non-starter pretty quick. Right, great. right. Alan, uh, great, great, uh, great suggestion and, and insight there into the into the problem. I really appreciate you calling Jim Nash. I'll give you first crack at uh, answering, Alan. How come we don't do it that way? Well, we, we you know, it depends on the operations. This is, again, Great Lakes Water Authority, I'm not sure how they do what, what they do for their, uh, the big pipe operations they do. Um, I'm assuming there's some kind of insurance on this. We have insurance on a lot of our drain systems, um, underground piping, things like that. Um, you also have uh, most drains, which is how, how each individual drainage system is a, is a separate corporate entity, and they usually will have some kind of backup. The bigger ones will have more of a uh, emergency fund available. Um, the smaller ones really won't have very much because they're very small. But um, so there's, there's different ways of doing that. Most of them are done in some way like that, either insurance or some kind of fund balance that they have for emergencies. Um, that's not uncommon at all. Uh, there will be some. And this, again, was an exceptionally large break. From my understanding from my engineers that this is something that is very rare to happen, such a catastrophic break like this. So, um, again, they had to order the parts, but these kind of parts you don't want to keep in hand. They're so huge and expensive you want to have them, so, but, but we can order them really quick. And they, it was like a one-day turnover. So... Um, ha- being ready for emergencies is part of this job and part of any job when you're operating an underground system. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Heisey, what, what about the idea of a fund that we could build up that would deal with this, this kind of stuff better? Could we do that for maintenance as opposed to, to doing it for, you know, emergencies and, and get ahead of the game? Well, I think any, uh, water and sewer system, whether that's at the, at the local level here for me at the township or uh, at the GLWA level, you, you're always going to have or you, sh- you should have a, uh, a reserve set aside for emergencies uh, and for regular uh, operation and maintenance issues that are going to come up normally during a, during a system. Um, I think what, what your callers are, are talking about is uh, the type of, of catastrophic situation that we've seen uh, recently, um, and I go back to the Oakland uh, to the Macomb County sinkhole as well. Uh, there, you've got a situation where I don't think they had any uh, money of that nature set aside for a break of that magnitude, and that's not the first one we've seen in that system over the last couple decades. Um, that that's, that particular system has had a, a share of problems in Macomb County. I go back to the, what we said before, which is uh, I think the state needs to look at some kind of a, a fund, whether that's a bond or a revolving fund. Uh, there are many different financial ways of, of constructing that, but uh, to have something that would be set aside like a, a strategic reserve of funds uh, that could be used. I, I don't like the no-fault auto insurance analogy because I know not everybody likes that, but uh, maybe to have something set aside for these types of of massive infrastructure breaks that we seem to be seeing with more uh, frequency. Yeah. Uh, Alan, again, thanks very much uh, for the call. Let's go to Ed and Warren. Ed, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hey, Ed. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, I got a, a 
what's been bugging me for years is this what I call the Republican lie. They they tell us that we can have everything we want and get tax reductions. And when you look around our education, our infrastructure uh, are falling apart. And then uh, there was a beautiful story in this weekend's paper on the Mackinac Bridge and how they're maintaining it and it's going to last for another 100 years because they plan ahead with their their tolls. Uh, and that basically is my comment is, you know, we're looking at tax reductions nationally now, mm-hmm. and yet we have this huge, massive infrastructure that needs rebuilding. And yeah. we don't pay for it. Yeah. Ed, uh, Ed I hear a lot of folks uh, saying the exact same thing that, that, that you're saying there. Thanks very much for the call, Kurt Heisey. Uh, you're a Republican. I will give you the first uh, chance at uh, at answering what Ed is saying. Uh, can we? Can people have everything they want? Which does seem to be the message that some Republicans are are putting out there. Which is, hey, we can cut your taxes uh, down to nothing in some cases, but don't worry about infrastructure. Don't worry about these other things. We'll find the money in other places. Is that a realistic thing to be telling folks? Well, I think we have to look at it segment. We have to segment these out. Uh, if you look at water and sewer, water and sewer infrastructure is largely paid for through water rates, fees, right? um, yeah. fees, uh, other other charges that 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 the customer receives. We've talked about routine maintenance versus you know massive failures as we have seen lately. And I've offered some alternatives right now that the state could look at. If you want to talk about the broader issue of infrastructure. Uh, you know, when I was a state rep for six years in Lansing, we, uh, you know, we we took a lot of heat for uh, raising the gas tax to fix roads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people liked it. A lot of people didn't. But what we kept hearing from people was fix the roads, fix the infrastructure. And we did. And, uh, you know, those were tough decisions that we had to make. And ultimately, we have to pay more if we want uh, uh, newer and better roads. And, and so I would say that, uh We've we've made already decisions, at least at the state level, to uh, to pay more for uh, for better infrastructure. Yeah, uh, Kurt, I, you and I would probably disagree uh, on on the nature of of that that gas tax increase and whether it's actually bringing more money in or not. But 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 I absolutely appreciate the the, the perspective you're expressing there, uh, Jim Nash. Uh, how do we how do we deal with that tension between people not wanting to pay more, people thinking they pay enough, and the idea that we've got to have enough money to take care of those well, things? Well, I, I, I disagree. I, I think the uh, Southeast Council government, Southeast Michigan Council governments, uh, a few years ago did a study, um, a poll asking people, who would be willing to spend more on certain things, and the water issues was the got the most um, support among just regular people. So um, people are willing to spend money to protect water here. Uh, I, I've lived in all over the country, and people are more aware of water here than place, pretty much anywhere else I've been. Um, so people are aware of that. And that last, you talked about the ballot initiative to, to build a fund, a brown, Brownfield fund was uh, wildly successful, more than two to one. So people are willing to vote to spend money to keep our water clean here. And I believe that's, that's true. And I would support um, a ballot initiative to, to fund these kind of things because that's it, it's the voice of the people doing that. Um, one thing I will say that the state has done since I came into office in 2013, they started something called the SAW program, which is uh, Sewer Asset Management and Wastewater. So it's funding for local communities to do that asset management work and it's given the ability to company uh, a lot of communities all over the state that had very little ability to do this themselves so um they've been able to use this funding to find out what the conditions of their um infrastructure is 
Uh, it's run out of money. We're finishing up the last batch of the uh, funding. Um, so there's a lot of interest in Lansing to uh, to extend this to bring in more funding because communities are very interested in doing this. And they also some of the like I said, the poorer communities need help funding these things to actually do the repairs once they know what's uh, what needs to be done. So this is the kind of thing that uh, local communities really need and the state can do a great hand in helping with this. And, and I think that's something we can look forward to, hopefully. Okay, Jim Nash, Oakland County Water Resources Commissioner, Kurt Heise, Plymouth Township Supervisor and former Republican state lawmaker. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Up next, we're going to talk about next week's elections and what a new round of campaign finance reports tells us about those candidates and those campaigns. Stay with us on Detroit Today.